He is the image of the invisible God. What does this mean about Jesus? For starters, the word image awakens memories of Genesis and the creation story. Indeed, man was created in the icon of God. Jesus is not only the visible manifestation of God, but he is also the perfect manifestation of man. If you want to know what kind of human being God intended us to be when he created us in his image, look to Jesus. But wait, there's more. In Jesus Christ, the invisible God became visible. Jesus is the perfect God-man. The writer of Hebrews says of Jesus, he is the exact imprint of God's nature. John 1.18 says, he has made God known. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Here's some good news for all those who are believers in Christ. When God looks at you, He sees Jesus. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian and I'm so glad you're here. Colossians 3, 3 tells us that all believers in Christ have died and their lives are now hidden in Christ with God. Today, Ron takes a deep dive into the idea of our new life in Christ as he continues his series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with part two of his message, The Image of the Invisible God. Jesus is not only the Lord of the new creation as the point leader of the church, he's Lord of the new creation as the power of the church. Paul goes on to say, he is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. Now, Paul is never far away from the event that really defines Christianity and is at the center of Christianity, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If all we had to talk about was the death of a good man on a cross, um, Christianity would never have gotten off the ground. It would have stalled in the first century somewhere. But three days later, he rose from the dead. Paul says it this way, the firstborn from the dead. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that there were other people in the Bible and in the Old Testament who were raised from the dead. They were not technically resurrections. A resurrection in the Bible is a resurrection to a resurrection body. We know from Jesus' post-resurrection appearances that he had a, a different capacity. He could appear here and disappear and appear over here. Uh, he was in his glorified body, the first ever to be raised from the dead and to be standing before the disciples in his glorified body. The others were technically recitations, raised from the dead, but they died again. Sorry, Lazarus. It'd be a bummer to be Lazarus, you know, to die twice. You know, but that's, that's technically, you know, how we understand that. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead and the first of many resurrections to come. If you understand the New Testament and the seven resurrections of the dead that are talked about in the New Testament, there is a resurrection awaiting every person who goes into the grave. Do you know that? Some will rise to eternal life, some to eternal death, the Bible tells us. 
But through His resurrection, and because of His resurrection, there's life and there's power in the church. The resurrection also makes Jesus superior uh, to anyone we can imagine. He is the preeminent one. And finally, as Lord of the new creation, Jesus is the peacemaker of the church. Paul goes on to say, for in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. He really backs up uh, the theological truck here, and he, he lays it on thick. He says, Jesus is not a partial revelation of God. This is what the Gnostics taught. Now, granted, Gnosticism didn't come into full bloom until the second century, but we see the seeds of it in the middle of the first century, perhaps even here at the church in Colossae. And the Gnostics believed that Jesus was kind of like a ray of the sun. You have the sun rays emanating from the sun. But the ray of the sun is not the sun itself. And that's what they said about Jesus. He's like a sun ray. He's like a God ray, but he's not God himself. Uh, eh, wrong, wrong answer there. Paul says, for in him all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. You want to look, look, you want to know what an invisible God looks like in the flesh, in the fullness of himself? Look at Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus Christ. Furthermore, he reconciled all that sin disrupted of the relationship between God and man. The phrase, whether on earth or in heaven, speaks of the far-reaching impact of sin and our need for reconciliation. I, I don't think we really understand just how much sin has impacted us. We live in a fallen world, and we can turn on the news every night or look at our social media news feeds, and, and we see the effect of falling in, living in a fallen world, all the graffiti that the devil has sprayed upon the icon of God. We, we have just maybe a partial understanding of just how sin has affected us. But Paul says he's reconciled all that was broken, all that was disrupted by sin, whether on earth or in heaven. I, I, I don't completely understand how sin even affected and, and threw heaven off tilt a little bit. But all throughout the universe, starting in our own soul, Something is not right. Uh, Romans tells us, Paul tells us there that all of creation groans. Now, at my age, I get out of bed in the morning and I groan a little bit because, you know, th this needs to be stretched and that needs to be stretched. But there's something about all of creation that groans, Paul says. And that, that groan is heard as an echo throughout the universe that something is not the way it was intended to be. And that God in Christ, through His death upon the cross, was reconciling us and all of that to Himself. It's important to note that the Bible never speaks of God being reconciled to man, but man being reconciled to God. We're the ones that are off tilt. We're the ones that are corrupted by sin. And it is God, it is always God who takes the initiative to bridge the chasm in the relationship. Finally, Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, and who said, blessed are the peacemakers, Paul says, this same Jesus, this Christ, made peace by the blood of His cross. Now, that's, that's a lot. 
Uh, some of you may be saying, oh, uh, Pastor, you're killing me with all this theology today. Didn't know I was coming to a theological class. But I'm convicted by the fact that, you know, if we feel a little bit overwhelmed by 10 or 15 minutes of stretching our thoughts to infinity and beyond about the image of God, the image of the invisible God, if, that, if, that, if we struggle with that and yet we can go back to our phones and they tell us that we've spent hours, hours this week scrolling through social media feeds. Are you kidding me? We become a theologically lazy society, an intellectually lazy society, and, and Paul brings us back. You got to know who Jesus is. But more importantly, or equally importantly, who am I in relation to Jesus? Because in verse 21, he pivots. After telling us who Jesus is, with some of the loftiest language we can find in the New Testament, he pivots and he says, and you, if you're ever wondering whether this orthodoxy ever gets to orthopraxy and has an impact on your life and in my life in a real practical way, here it is. And he says, and you, you who are in Christ, <clears throat> you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, verse 21, and doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast and shifting from the hope, uh, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. What's he saying here? Uh, to help me with these thoughts, I, I created two columns and I, I put them in your notes there. First, he's writing to Christians and he's describing their former condition and he uses words like alienated hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Did you ever describe your life before Christ that way? No, the blindness of sin, you know, keeps us from seeing ourselves as alienated from God or as hostile in our minds toward Him or as the things that we are doing defined as evil deeds. Let me just say this, that if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this diagnosis applies to you right now. I don't mean that to be you know, harsh to you in any kind of way, but I'm just, I'm just pointing out the biblical diagnosis here. But Paul is writing to Christians in Colossae, and he says, this is, this is your former condition. Who you are in Christ, though, is not defined by this anymore. And he goes on to describe their present condition, and he uses words like reconciled, holy and blameless, above reproach. Did you think about yourself that way this week? Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, The Image of the Invisible God. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66, from Chicago, Illinois, to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. 
If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience? And what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament. For your gift of $30 or more, give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Is it possible for a believer in Christ to lose his or her salvation? Stay with us after today's broadcast to find out. But first, let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Image of the Invisible God. Here's the difficulty. First of all, we don't know who Jesus really is. Okay, we've, we've taken care of that. Now the question is, who are we in relation to Jesus? And even a lot of Christians I know, and I struggle with this from time to time too, I'm still thinking of myself as alienated from God, hostile in my mind towards Him, doing evil deeds. But no, you're a new creation. You're not the old you. You're not who you once were. So stop thinking of yourself in that old way. You are now in Christ. You're not alienated. You're reconciled. You're not hostile in your mind toward God. You're holy and blameless. Holy means to be separated unto God for a sanctified purpose. You have a new purpose in life, and God set you apart for that. You're blameless. doesn't mean you're sinless. Blameless just means you honestly deal with your sin through confession and repentance. David, King David was not a perfect man. We all know that, and his foibles are all over the pages of Scripture. He committed murder, adultery. 
He lied about it. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because there came a point of honest confession and repentance. That's a blameless person. And in Jesus Christ, all of the blame has been taken away. What was unholy has been made holy. What was alienated from God has been reconciled to Him. What was once um, the, the, the object of accusation is now above reproach. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he'll remind you all day long. He'll accuse you all day long of who you once were. And here's what we have to do as believers in Christ. We have to make a choice to either live out of our understanding of who Jesus is and who I am in relation to Him. In other words, to live out of our new identity in Christ, or even as somebody who is reconciled, holy, and blameless, and above reproach, we keep living like we're, we're of the former condition. And that is the struggle. That is the struggle for many, many believers in Jesus. Paul says, all of this is true of you in your present condition, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, and he goes on from there. Circle that word, if. A lot of people stumble over that. They, they see doubt cast into the conversation here. Well, this is true of you only if you continue. Here's where a little bit of depth of knowledge into the Greek language. Uh, there's something called a first-class conditional clause in the English language. And this is the case here where the word translated if can also be translated since or because. The first-class conditional clause introduces something that is already true of you. Paul's not saying you might be able to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, or you might lose your salvation, and if that is true, the present condition no longer identifies you, but now you're back in the former condition. Now don't go there, all right? The first-class conditional clause says, He has reconciled you in His body of flesh in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, because indeed you are continuing in the faith. You're stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister, all right? It's speaking of something that is absolutely true of every believer in Jesus Christ because it is Jesus who not only reconciled us and redeemed us, but He holds all things together, including your salvation. He's got you in His grip the grip of His grace, and He'll never let go of you. Not one that the Father has given to Him will the devil or anybody else snatch out of His hand. And we can uh, never, ever be separated from the love of God, uh, the Scripture tells us. In order to live out my identity in Christ, here's the bottom line, I must put aside false beliefs about God and about myself. It's the about myself part where I find a lot of people in church today struggling. And you may be able to check the box and say, oh yeah, I believe all this about Jesus. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the who is Jesus part. It's the who am I in relation to Jesus. I'm still struggling with that. Hear the testimony of Scripture. In Christ you're reconciled, not alienated. I don't care if you've walked into some church, maybe even this one, and somebody in the church made you feel 
far from or not a part of or alienated. No, you're reconciled. You're a part of the body of Christ. You may not feel very holy and blameless because of something you've done in the past, maybe something you did this week. Well, begin to close the gap between uh, your positional sanctification, holy and blameless, and your practical sanctification. Begin living as you really are in Christ and make that a reflection of who you are. Uh, you, you may be listening this week to the accusations of the devil who says, you're not above reproach. Let me remind you of this or remind you of that. Just remember, you have an advocate, a defense attorney uh, called Jesus who's standing in that courtroom with you and says, no, I died on the cross for this man, for this woman, and my blood covers and forgives his or her sin. And I rose from the dead to give that person power to live a victorious Christian life. All of that in a theological debate, right? Theology matters. It matters hugely. It's not enough to say, all I want is Jesus. We have to get to that point where we say, all I want is Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, and a whole lot more that the Bible reveals about him. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, The Image of the Invisible God. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me in the studio now. Ron, I'm wondering if you can talk a little further about this concept of being blameless but not sinless. That idea seems to be a little tricky for us to fully grasp, but I think it's a very important thing for us to understand. It really is, Brian, and the reason I'd say it's critical is because it goes directly to who God is and what He's all about. If we were not blameless as Christians, then that would diminish the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. Why would he have to go through all of that if it wasn't going to result in our redemption? So when we say Christians are blameless, it's more about what Jesus did and who Jesus is than it is about our own performance. Frankly, we had nothing to do with it. It's all about him. Now, the temptation we sometimes have is to go too far in one direction or the other. If we lean too far to the blameless side, we can be at risk of abusing God's grace. We may say things like, well, Jesus already paid for my salvation, so I'm going to just live as I please. The flip side of the coin is to get so bogged down in our human depravity to focus on our mistakes and our poor choices that we end up overwhelmed by guilt and self-condemnation. So we need to be careful to balance these two ideas, and when we do, it paves the way for us to be spiritually healthy people. We acknowledge the doctrine of human sin, and yet we also understand the doctrine of divine grace. So quickly now, let me offer one final thought. Brian, I'd caution against self-condemnation, but I would certainly be an advocate for self-examination. We are sinners, and we need to talk honestly with God about our own human frailty. That's the critical part of our relationship with him in this life. But the great news is that at the end of it all, Jesus has done something so profound on our behalf that we are considered spotless or blameless. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from today's message, The Image of the Invisible God. Ron, as we wrap things up here on today's edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where you're headed tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Well, Brian, everybody loves a good mystery, and God has given us several of them. The book of Deuteronomy tells us that God is a God of secrets, and He only reveals those things He wants us to discover. One of His most intriguing mysteries is this whole idea of Christ living inside each of us. The Apostle Paul calls it the mystery of Christ in you, and that's the title of tomorrow's message. Join me as I attempt to solve this particular mystery over the next couple of days. I think we're all looking forward to that message, Ron. It all comes your way next time in Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Mystery of Christ in You. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.